Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> Her Pretty Little Hollows Written by Luke Condor Narrated by Josh Curran Saturday, 23rd of April, 1983 I loved her, in that moment But I had to leave I'm on the plane now I'm on my way back to sunny old England And I've got a story and a half kind of story that you can't tell anybody. Not really. It's the kind of story that'll get you locked up in the nut bin. The kind of ramblings that'll get you daily group therapy sessions with a man who thinks he's a kitten and a woman who talks only in rhyme. The kind of talk that'll perhaps land you a lobotomy or two. Crazy is what I'm getting at. Insane. Downright mythical. Hang on. The steward is bringing me my scotch. (sighs) Fuck me, that's harsh. The stewardess is pretty, but she's got nothing on my Egypt. Hang on. I'd better get another. Maybe ask for two this time. I need the alcohol. I'm writing all this down in my notebook and 
My hand won't stop shaking. Scared, sure, but excited. My blood is pumping so hard I can barely catch my breath. I think she loved me. I died. Almost. I escaped by the skin of my teeth, and I expect that Professor Engel will be surprised when I return, alive and well. It was his money that sent me over here. He and the British Museum paid for the expedition. A trip over to Egypt to an undiscovered dig site in Aswan. There'd been an earthquake. Nothing major, but enough to open a fault line three miles south along the Nile. It wasn't the fault itself that was worthy of a trip, but the underground chamber it led into. Most of the locals had been too scared to go in. They claimed it was cursed or booby-trapped or something. Don't anger the gods! The gods are wrathful! Sure, but these gods ain't seen the insatiable beast that is the British Museum. Ancient cultures, relics, and if you're old enough, your remains all get gobbled up by the museum and put out on display. I do wonder why Engel did it. Jealousy, maybe? Perhaps my distaste for the museum's practices. I've been pretty vocal about it. I was planning to give a load of artifacts back, planning to dismantle some of the archaic practices of the museum. There were six of us in all, myself acting as chief historian, a woman with halitosis and a constant stink eye as technician. Her name was Indy, funnily enough. In my head, I called her Indiana Jones. I never got the chance to say it to her face. There was also a bald bloke with a thick London accent called Kenneth. One native historian, Omar, and two other local boys who were constantly smoking, laughing and joking in their native tongue. I caught snippets of their conversations. It sounded like they'd grown up together, were planning on using the money to get out of the country, see more of the world. A shame, really. We landed in Cairo, just gone 6am on Friday. Quickly checked into the airport hotel we'd be coming back to later that night, then got a second flight down to Aswan, where we were met by our local hands, who drove us in two separate jeeps downriver. I was sat in the back of one with Indy, with Omar, and one of the local boys in front. Indy had a habit of spreading herself across a seat and halfway into mine, her breath pushing me further and further into my car door. How long have you known Engel? She said, lowering her head to my level. Long enough to know that he isn't a gentleman, I said. She laughed at that, a deep throaty chuckle, before pulling out a cigarillo and lighting up. And what about you? I've never met him before in my life, she said, smoking and roaring with laughter. I didn't get the joke, and I doubt Omar did, but he laughed along all the same. We drove on, and by midday, the heat was really blistering. It beat down on the backs of our necks, and I could have sworn I heard my skin crackling like pork scratchings on my shoulder. The wind picked up and cooled us off some. I passed the time by, looking at the Nile, watching as herons and egrets moved along the reeds on the banks. When we arrived at the fault, a sideways scream trapped in the rock face. All of us went down to the river first. 
We washed our faces and baptised ourselves in the church of... Oh man, that's much better, thanks. We grabbed our flashlights, rucksacks, and I took this very notebook. We made our way into the cavern. The local boys were up front, their laughter echoing as their flashlights bounced along the walls. I found myself paired up with Omar, who didn't speak a lick of English. We conversed in awkward nods and smiles, and I had to wonder why Engel had involved Omar in the first place. And then behind us, following with their predatory eyes, were Kenneth and Indy, their bags over their shoulders. Neither said a single word. We went far deeper into the caverns, and for far longer than I expected to. The air thinned, and where it was once far too hot, it quickly ticked over to far too cold. I hugged myself with my free arm, keeping the torchlight facing forwards. I was beginning to think that we'd been led astray, and was about to nudge Omar to hold up a second, when the boys up front cheered and whooped. Sounded like they'd scored money on a dog race. Unah! They roared. Unah! Finally, I said, patting Omar on the back, who winced like an oft-kicked dog. Right, right, Kenneth announced. Let's see what we got. The opening into the chamber was narrow. Took some squeezing to get through. Not one for the claustrophobic, I tell you. It tore the pocket right off my work shirt, but I didn't mind at all. Once through and into the chamber, my jaw dropped. Everybody's did. We looked upon the large open square of a room buried deep below the surface. If there was ever a moment of camaraderie between the six of us, it was then. Nothing brings strangers together quite like ancient treasure. Fuck me, Indy said. La Chakran, one of the local boys said, which I've since looked up. I think it translates roughly as, no thank you. The six of us laughed all of us getting caught in a series of immature sugar-rush chuckles like we'd finally realised what the punchline was to a joke we'd heard a week back. The chamber was dark, but from our torches we could see that it was littered with some of the most incredibly well-preserved jars and trinkets and statues that any of us had ever seen. I'll admit to getting hungry eyes at that point. I saw much that I wanted to take back to the museum. I saw much that I wished to dust down, clean, date, and display. That part of me that was the same as Professor Engel took over. More so as we each spread out, each finding our way to different corners of the chamber, taking our time to walk the floor and marvel upon the finding of the century. I went the furthest forward. I found myself passing rows upon rows of empty stone tables, brushing my hand through dust and cobwebs, and then crouching down and marvelling at the craftsmanship of an old jar, the face of Nepothes, painted but marred by time and decay. She looked so beautiful, though. Still, the ancient goddess of funeral rites. And as easy as that, a twig snap and I remembered why I'd fallen in love with Egypt in the first place. Not for the rewards and money and newspaper headlines, but for this. The lore, the myth, the magic. As dumb as it sounds, my eyes welled with tears, and I sat there for a moment, 
deeply grateful for coming upon such a beautiful and lost part of ancient Egypt. But I felt a great shame too, for letting my fame-hungry eyes take over for even a moment. I closed my eyes, kissed the air, the moment, said my thanks. The first gunshot cracked the chamber in two. I heard a few pleas from Omar, squeaking like a mouse caught under the floorboards, and then that great thunder that made me drop the jar. It broke then, the face of Nepathes shattered into many pieces. I looked up just in time to see the shadowy outline of Omar tumbling backwards like a falling tree. I saw their backlit silhouettes, Indies and Kenneths. Indy with her arm in her rucksack, pulling out a handgun, and Kenneth with his already raised, smoke rising from the end of its barrel. I really am very sorry, Kenneth shouted, but ain't none of you leaving this chamber alive. Double negative, I thought as I dropped to the floor. Double negative! My breath wheezed out of me in anxious bursts as I did my best, anything to bury myself deep into the ground. I knew right away that it was Professor Engel's doing. I only hated myself for not suspecting it sooner. They walked then, their boots echoing on the stone floor. I listened and winced with each step, saw their long shadows dancing like demons on the chamber ceiling. I reckoned they were a little over ten feet away when they stopped. Roger! One of the local boys said, which I now know to mean, please. The second shot was just as loud and thunderous as the first. I heard as the expired meat of the boy's body slapped the stone-cold floor. The second boy ran then, crying, back towards the opening in the wall, towards the fault line. No worries, Indy said. I got it. A third shot. More meat hitting stone, followed by a faint pitter-patter of what was likely to be the lad's brain matter raining down, an afterthought. No worries indeed. No hopes for the future to travel and see the world with your friend. No worries. Nothing at all. At this point my survival instinct kicked in and I ran too, but the opposite way. Deeper into the chamber, into the darkness. More thunder cracked. What felt like a bee zipped past and stung my shoulder. I ran, continued to run as more bees flew by. I ran all the way until I tumbled into a hole, maybe a cavern, something. I heard a faint pop in my ankle as I fell down, grazing my shoulder and cheek against the rough stone floor. I tried to hold my breath, but I could do no such thing. The pain in my ankle was simply too much to bear. I pressed my hands over my mouth, holding in my screams as I writhed around in the oily, wet dirt. My eyes slowly adjusted, and I saw the thing that was next to me. The open caverns of its skull. The exposed ribcage, knees tucked up into a fetal position. An ancient, dead thing. The mummified remains of a human being. Thousands of years old. I didn't scream. These stone tables I'd passed weren't tables, but sarcophagi. I'd fallen 
into an open one. What a find. My glee was cut short by the hissing crackle of one of my assailants as they lit a flare. The walls of the cavern glowed with pinkish reds. The hissing of the flare like some pissed-off anaconda, snaking its way closer and closer to my grave. I turned back to my mummy. I looked into the pits where its eyes used to be, listening to that giant snake moving closer, closer, and I knew then that I'd failed as a historian. I would be killed, and these brutes would take it all, every damn thing, back to Engel and the museum. I'm sorry, I whispered to my mummy. I'm so sorry. I cried again. Honestly, I don't cry all that much, usually. I closed my eyes. A finger came and wiped the tear away. The decaying finger that smelled of clay. The threadbare papier-mâché finger that was now joined by the others, now working their way through my hair and around the back of my head. Confused at first, but then seeing how the ancient dead thing lifted its head to look at me, yes, look at me, with its pretty little hollows, I would have screamed, howled myself bloody and insane, but the thing was too quick. The hand now pressed to the back of my head, pulled me towards it, placed my mouth against its own. It kissed me. And I didn't not like it. Double negative, indeed. The dead hands worked around my back, holding me in a cool embrace, pulling me closer and closer. Its feather-dusted tongue met my own, my own hands now wrapping around its... No, not it. Her. Its tongue left my mouth, its muddied breath moving along my cheek, to my ear, cold as a river breeze. I love you too, she whispered in a not-so-dead voice. We can see you, a voice said, pulling me away from my mummy. We'll make it quick if you come out of your own accord. Or don't, make it hard. Engel paid us a bonus to bring him your balls, Kenneth said, plain as anything. We can take him from your breathing, or not. Your choice. The hissing of their flare was less than five metres away. I could hear their laboured breathing. I could hear my own breathing. And hers. Against my ear. Oh, oh, fuck this. Indy said, moving closer. Hissing, hissing. The mummified hands left my back, pulled away from me. She moved like a broken marionette, climbed up and out of the sarcophagus. She looked down at me once more with her beautiful hollows and, casually as anything, pulled the stone lid shut. Uther, Kenneth asked. Shoot it! Indy replied. More gunshots did their best to split the chamber in two, but there weren't too many. I heard Kenneth scream as something leapt at him. Then, what sounded like a baby slapping its wet, food-stained cheeks. Then, what sounded like a baby slapping its wet, food-stained cheeks. Splat, splat, followed by some screams, some moans. I heard as Indy's legs thumped into the side of my sarcophagi. The thing leapt again, a beautiful, delicate sound, followed by a ripping, a tearing. 
It reminded me of pulling a leg from an overcooked turkey. I heard the rich, succulent juices pitter-pattering against the stone lid above me. Smelled them, too. Then there was silence. And I was trapped. I pushed against the stone lid above, but it wouldn't budge. The pain in my ankle now screaming. I shouted for help for a while, until I passed out from either the pain or the exhaustion. And then I woke. In my hotel bed. I sat up. I thought it all a dream. Until I saw the shape next to me. A lump of dirt beneath the covers. I dared not lift them. I knew what was lying beneath. Shit. I whispered, shit, shit, shit. I tiptoed like a kid on Christmas Eve night, grabbed my rucksack and ran for the airport, barely catching a flight back to London. And now here I sit, shaking, writing, drinking, wondering. Wondering. I smell her decayed scent. I've smelled it ever since we took off coming from the seat behind me. I loved her in that moment. Now I'm petrified. I'll finish this diary entry and then I'll drink what little scotch remains in my glass. And then I will look over my shoulder. I fear I will see those pretty little hollows once more, looking out from between the seats. And maybe every moment afterwards. Wish me luck. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Her Pretty Little Hollows was written by Luke Condon, narrated by Josh Curran, with title music by Tom Robson. Are you hungry for more stories? Well, every month we release a sneaky bonus extra story exclusively for our members over at patreon.com forward slash hawkandcleaver. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get early access to episodes, as well as bonus content and more. That's patreon.com forward slash Cleaver, and join for less than the cost of a coffee a month. Until next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.